0: Hey everyone. Welcome back to this week's chapter by chapter recap. My name is Corey. I'm here with my husband Matlock. Hey. Hey. And today we're finishing off Jeremiah.
1: Yes, we are. The book
0: of Jeremiah. So that is Jeremiah 32 to 52. Yes. It should be good. Yeah, we'll be good. Should be good. Okay. Let's just jump right into it. Jeremiah chapter 32. So In this chapter, Jerusalem is actually under siege by the Neo-Babylonian Empire. And Jeremiah is imprisoned in a courtyard of the Jerusalem palace. So the king is keeping him close. Um, And as a sign that God would indeed eventually restore the land, uh, God has Jeremiah redeem, which means purchase, his cousin's field in Anathoth. So why this is significant is because Anathoth would have already been a captive land at this point. By the time the Babylonians had made it to Jerusalem and had besieged the capital city, Anathoth was already a Babylonian territory. So the fact that Jeremiah is willing to purchase it is seen as evidence of his prophecy that God will uh, redeem the land from Babylon. All right, Jeremiah chapter 33. So this is God's promise to restore Israel And, and talking about how trustworthy this promise is and basically it goes on to say this this promise to restore the land is as sure as the day and the night it's as sure as the natural laws of heaven and earth you know just as every morning the sun rises and every evening the sun sets uh, god also will redeem the land all right jeremiah chapter 34 this is a warning to king zedekiah given by the prophet jeremiah during the besiegement of the city by Babylon, uh, Jeremiah tells King Zedekiah, the city is going to be burned down. You're going to be captured. You will see Nebuchadnezzar with your own eyes. You will go to Babylon. You will not die by the sword, but peacefully. So essentially, you're not going to die in the captivity of the city, but you will die in the Babylonian exile. Now, It's really interesting here because probably out of just this sheer desperation of the Babylonian invasion and needing God's favor and needing more military power and just seeing what they could get, Zedekiah and his people make a covenant with God promising to release their slaves because they should have been releasing their slaves every seven years in the year of Jubilee, but they had not been doing that. They had not been following the the law. So they make this covenant with God. They release their slaves, but then they take it back. Now, this is interesting because historically we know that Babylon actually had to withdraw from the siege of Jerusalem for a time to deal with the Egyptian military. So this may have happened like as soon as Babylon withdrew from the city, perhaps Zedekiah was like, yeah, I guess guess we can take our slaves back. I guess it worked, right? But then, of course, Babylon eventually comes back. So God says through Jeremiah that these people are going to die like the sacrificial animal that they killed for the covenant ceremony, um, which is why there was a sacrificial animal at the covenant ceremony. So you would often say, we see this back in Genesis when Abraham um, cuts the animal pieces in two and then God appears as a a fire pot that goes through the animal pieces. And essentially what we know about ancient covenants is that the sacrificial animal was basically a way of saying, may I become like this animal if I go against this covenant. So Zedekiah had done this and then gone back on it. So God's going to hold it. God's going to hold him to it. Jeremiah chapter 35. Okay, so this chapter takes place during the reign of King Jehoiakim. So this is before Zedekiah, earlier than Jeremiah chapter 34. So this is when Jehoiakim rebels against Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar invades the land and forces Jehoiakim's son Jehoiachin to surrender. And this is when the first Babylonian exile happens, the first wave. Um, And this is the transition Of the kingship to King Zedekiah. So the Babylonians are invading and so the nomadic family of the Rechabites come and live in Jerusalem. It's just safer there. So God tells Jeremiah to invite the Rechabites into one of the side rooms of the temple which were apparently acting as residences for some of the priestly families and some of the prophets. um, Some of whom were friends with Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah could just be like, hey, can we use your room? And they're like, yeah. So Jeremiah was friends with some of these priestly families or prophets. So Jeremiah offers the Rechabites wine, which the Rechabites refuse because their patriarch, their founding father of their family, had told them never to drink wine or to own property, but to always be nomads in the land. So they had just done that. Generations of Rechabites had been faithful to that. And so The Rechabites are used as an example to shame Judah. If generations of of people who are not my people can be faithful in listening to a man, then why can't you be faithful in listening to God, God himself? Judah's judgment is going to be the Babylonian exile. All right, Jeremiah chapter 36, Uh, we see some of the the authorship and the origin of the book of Jeremiah here in Jeremiah chapter 36. So this is given as the fourth year of King Jehoiakim. And God tells Jeremiah to write down all the prophecies he's been given thus far. So Jeremiah hires a scribe named Baruch to write everything down at his dictation. Um, We learn that Jeremiah has been restricted. His movement has been restricted in Jerusalem because he's just not saying good things. So they don't (laughs) want him to keep saying true things. He cannot go into the temple anymore. He's been kicked out. No Jeremiah. Posters, I can imagine, up there. So Baruch instead, his scribe, imagine how scary that would be, Baruch takes the scroll, and he has to go into the temple uh, complex and read the scroll. So Baruch reads it to the people, and the officials hear about it, and then they have Baruch read it to them. Mm. Then they tell Baruch that they're going to read the scroll to the king, but that he and Jeremiah need to go into hiding. So the officials are taking them seriously, but but they know that probably the king's going to want to have them both executed. So now Baruch's in the deep end. With Jeremiah, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, remember, we have already learned about a godly prophet named Uriah who was, he was a true prophet, and he was actually saying the same things as Jeremiah. Uh, And King Jehoiakim had him killed. Mm. So... That would have been fresh in their memory. They would have been around for that, Jeremiah and Baruch. So not all the officials of Jerusalem were against Jeremiah and God's word. Um, However, we do need to mention that some of those officials were probably taken into captivity in the first wave of exiles, which would explain why Jeremiah's court and his officials were so hostile against Jeremiah later on. Because a lot of these guys who were for Jeremiah were probably already in exile. Right. Okay, so... Um, An official read the scroll to King Jehoiakim and piece by piece Jehoiakim had it uh, cut off the scroll and burned in a fire as it was being read to him. So as a result, Jehoiakim's line, his direct line, his direct descendants, his sons are rejected from the kingship. They're not going to be in the future kingship. They're not going to be in the messianic line. So Jeremiah and Baruch rewrite the scroll and they continue to add to it. Jeremiah chapter 37. So this is this back to King Zedekiah, the the son of Josiah. He had been placed on the throne by Nebuchadnezzar in place of Jehoiachin who had been taken into exile. Uh, But Zedekiah rebelled against Babylon. And so Nebuchadnezzar was invading the land. The Egyptian army marches out to meet Babylon. And so the Babylonian army, like we said before, temporarily withdrew from Judah. So Jeremiah went to leave Jerusalem to go to his own territory and claim some land, probably that land that he had purchased uh, from his cousin. But Jeremiah is accused by someone of attempting to desert to the Babylonians. Like you're pro-Babylonian anyway, Jeremiah. You're just going to follow them and join their army, aren't you? And Jeremiah is arrested. Now, we're told after a long time, not told how much time, but after a long time of being arrested, King Zedekiah sends for Jeremiah because he wants to ask him how this is going to go, which Jeremiah has already said. The answer has not changed. The answer is it's not going to go well.
1: Yeah.
0: Nebuchadnezzar is coming back and he's going to take the city. Uh, Jeremiah asks Zedekiah for mercy. So Zedekiah lets him stay imprisoned in the guard's courtyard. And he continues to supply Jeremiah with a daily ration of bread until the bread in the city runs out. So Zedekiah does try to take care of Jeremiah. Right. Doesn't want him to die. Which is probably literally the least he could have done. Yeah. But he did it. He did it. Yeah. Jeremiah chapter 38. So some of the officials of King Zedekiah are angry that Jeremiah's message is still getting out there. Uh, He's still talking to people and, and it is spreading around the city. So they get permission to put Jeremiah down in a cistern that's in the courtyard of the guard. Right. Um, but a Cushite official who is mentioned by name, Ebed Melech, he has compassion on Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah's old at this point. He's down in a cistern. It's not good living conditions. They're already in a famine. They're already being besieged. He's he's going to die if yeah. he stays down there. So he he gets King Zedekiah's permission to to get Jeremiah out of the cistern, uh, and. What's interesting is that we really see the signs here of King Zedekiah crumbling because his officials are like, throw him in a pit. So they throw him in a pit. And then another official is like, he's going to die. And he's like, okay, get him out of the pit. He's just going back and forth. That's and right, like, yeah, He's just under west. so much pressure. At this point, he's just doing what, what everyone else wants. Okay, so then King Zedekiah secretly brings Jeremiah to an inner gate of the temple and promises not to kill Jeremiah. if Jeremiah will just speak with him honestly. <laughs> so Jeremiah lays two options in front of Zedekiah. One, surrender to Babylon right now and your family and you will live. Option number two, don't surrender and the city will burn and you and your family will be taken by the Babylonians. There's no guarantees of what's going to happen to you, but you're all going to be taken. So Zedekiah confesses to Jeremiah that he's afraid of the Jews who have defected already to the Babylonian military. That if he surrenders to Nebuchadnezzar at this point, that Nebuchadnezzar is going to give Zedekiah to those defected Judeans and that he's actually going to be tortured by them. Mm. That's what he thinks is going to happen. Jeremiah says, no, no. If you surrender, that is not what's going to happen. You need to surrender because God is telling you to surrender. You're afraid of the wrong thing. You're afraid of these men. You should be afraid of God's judgment because God's telling you to surrender. So just do it. He doesn't do it. No. Jeremiah chapter 39. So this is a record of the siege and the taking, the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. So we have a record of King Zedekiah trying to escape so As option, he knows. Option
1: three. Option it,
0: option C. Yeah. yeah option three. It, it's kind of
1: like a worse option too, But it's, he made his
0: own option. Yeah. It went worse.
1: <laughs> so if I attack, I'll die. But yeah, if I just run away, maybe, maybe I, it'll I, I be I can fine. best them both. Those no. Aren't the, yeah, no, it didn't work.
0: So he tried to escape, but he was caught. And Nebuchadnezzar had his sons and his officials executed in front of him, and then he had zedekiah's eyes gouged out yeah. and take zedekiah into exile so very brutal um we learned that what zedekiah feared did happen to him because he didn't obey god he made his choice um, he didn't die he was allowed to live out his life blind and crownless so Jeremiah is then taken care of by the new governor of the area um, who was appointed by, by, the, by Babylon. His name is Gedaliah. And we're told that Ebed-Melech, that Cushite official of, in Jerusalem who had Jeremiah saved, his life was also spared by the Babylonians. Mm. So in Jeremiah chapter 40, Jeremiah's condition is clarified. He had been bound as a captive originally, but he was found by a Babylonian commander who released him and told him that he could come live in Babylon um, and and be taken care of in Babylon or that he could go to governor Gedaliah um, and that he would be given authority to really go where he wanted to go and live where he wanted to live. So the commander gives provisions and presents to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah goes to Gedaliah um, at the city of Mizpah, which is the new capital city, we are told. So we're told that Israelites who and, and Judeans who had fled to the territories of Moab, Ammon, Edom, and other countries when Babylon invaded, they came back into the land to um, the new governor to uh, Gedaliah at Mizpah. We also learn that there is now an assassination plot against Governor Gedaliah's life by Baalis, the king of the Ammonites. But Gedaliah doesn't believe it. He's like, no, no one's going to be stupid enough to try to assassinate me right now. We just got a tenuous thing. Just just got some form of peace. No one's going to be dumb enough to try to kill me right now. No, I don't believe it. Jeremiah chapter 41. He should have believed it because Gedaliah is assassinated by a man by a man named Ishmael, um, who we're told had royal blood. So he actually may have been trying to claim the throne and rally together a resistance against Babylon. Um, Ishmael also kills the Judean officials who were with Gedaliah. So, um, yeah. It's just this, it's just this big, big, the, the details of the assassination plot are given and they're really interesting here in Jeremiah chapter 41. But the, the reaction against this assassination is very strong and for good reason. A man named, um, Joan, however you want to say it, marches a bunch of people to Egypt because they believed that they would now all be killed by Nebuchadnezzar if they stayed. So the danger is now that the the governor that the king of Babylon has appointed has been assassinated. So this is rebellion on rebellion. We do not accept your authority, Nebuchadnezzar. So the fear is that Nebuchadnezzar is going to come back in and he's going to wipe out everybody. He's going to burn everything down. So they leave. In Jeremiah chapter 42, uh, Yohanan, Johanan, and the other army officers and survivors ask Jeremiah to pray for them and see if God will tell them where to go and what to do. And they promise to do whatever God says through Jeremiah, no matter what, because Jeremiah's prophecies have all come true at this point. So 10 days later, God gives Jeremiah a message. Stay. The king of Babylon is going to have compassion on you, and I'm going to build you up in the land here, in the land of Judah. However, if you go to Egypt, you're not going to find the peace that you want to find. War and famine are going to follow you to Egypt. So essentially, the disaster of Jerusalem is going to happen in Egypt if you don't follow my words. Jeremiah adds a lament onto Jeremiah chapter 42, onto this prophecy, because he already knows that these people have already decided that they're going to Egypt. And that was basically just a formality to ask Jeremiah that they're not going to listen. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 43, we're told that uh, Johanan and Azariah and other arrogant men told Jeremiah that he was lying to them uh, because his scribe and probably only close associate at this point, Baruch, wants Azariah and Johanan to be killed or exiled. We're not sure why Baruch might've had a grudge against this man, but apparently there was some sort of personal thing between them uh, that that made this a credible accusation or allegation. All right, so they decide to go to Egypt. They take everyone. They force Jeremiah and Baruch also to go to Egypt. Um And Jeremiah dramatically gives this prophecy that Nebuchadnezzar would successfully invade Egypt as he had successfully invaded Judah. Um, And he, Jeremiah, buries stones at the entrance to one of Pharaoh's palaces in the city uh, where they were. And he says that Nebuchadnezzar would set up his throne and and canopy right there on that very spot in victory which historically, uh, this this victory of Nebuchadnezzar, it does happen. Nebuchadnezzar successfully invaded Egypt in 568 BC. Uh, and we're not sure if Jeremiah was still there, if Jeremiah was alive or not. We're not told. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 44. Jeremiah prophesies against the Judeans living in Egypt, that only a small amount of them, only a few fugitives would ever make it back to Judah. Uh, that most of them would die there in judgment because they were continuing on in their idolatry and offering incense to other gods in Egypt. Um, interestingly, this all of this incense burning seemed to particularly affect the Judean women who say that they burned It says that they burned incense, poured out drink offerings, and made cakes impressed with the Queen of Heaven's image. So, this is probably all to do with fertility concerns and infant mortality concerns, which, of course, have always been a big issue in human history. Uh, This is confirmed when the people affirm their worship. I mean, it's not recommended. Yeah. But they affirm their worship of the queen of heaven, uh, saying they will continue to burn incense and pour out drink offerings just like their people did back in Judah because that has historically equaled food in the land and peace. And when they stopped, probably under the reforms of Hezekiah and King Josiah, that's when it started to go badly for them. So they've spun it. Yeah. They've spun it here. <sighs> Not good. Not Not good. good. So Jeremiah affirms that God is against the people in judgment and that Nebuchadnezzar is coming for Pharaoh Hophra. Right. Who's named at this point. Jeremiah chapter 45. I wish it got better, guys, but there's a reason why Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. It's a lot of bad news. (laughs) There's interesting stuff, but there's a lot of bad news in Jeremiah. So Jeremiah chapter 45 records a prophecy back from the time of King Jehoiakim, Uh, who was the original king who rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Back to when Baruch read the prophecies of Jeremiah in the temple and Jehoiakim had it burned piece by piece and they had to go into hiding. Um, So back at this point, um, Baruch complained to God about his situation and God actually answered him, which is amazing. Uh, God essentially says, one, Judah is mine to tear down. Two, don't seek to become something great in Judah because it's all coming down. And three, because you're faithful to me, Baruch, you will always escape with your life. No one's gonna actually be able to kill you. Jeremiah chapter 46. This records Jeremiah's prophecy way back in the time of King Josiah, a good king. There we go. I said it didn't get better, but I mean, there's prophecy here. Josiah, <laughs> yay. Um, <laughs> when Pharaoh Nico was marching out to help Assyria resist Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Um, And King Josiah, unfortunately, was killed in battle trying to stop Pharaoh Necho. There's another prophecy this time about how Nebuchadnezzar was coming to invade Egypt. And there's this caveat that Egypt will again be inhabited and Judah will be restored. So there's hope, great judgment, but also great hope here. Jeremiah chapter 47. This is a prophecy against the Philistines when Egypt attacked Gaza. The prophecy notes that Babylon will be their real problem, their real destroyer. Jeremiah chapter 48. This is a prophecy about the destruction of Moab and her god Chemosh. Uh, We know that Nebuchadnezzar did take over take over Moab. So this is a fulfilled prophecy. So interestingly in Jeremiah chapter 48, God is actually shown mourning for Moab's people. And Jeremiah is told to wail and mourn for the people as well. Um, There's a note of hope in the very last verse. Yet I will restore the fortune of Moab in days to come, declares the Lord. We're almost there. Jeremiah chapter 49. Ammon took over the land of the tribe of Gad, after they were conquered by Assyria. So across the Jordan, Ammon took over the land of the tribe of Gab after they were conquered by Assyria. And this is a prophecy that their capital city, Rabbah, would be destroyed and that the Israelites would retake that territory that was taken Mm. from them. Again, so this is a note of hope for the Israelites. Hope for restoration after ultimate destruction. We're told that Edom will be taken. Damascus, which was the head of the capital city of Aram or Syria, will be destroyed. Um, Kedar and Hatzor are mentioned. Not the city of Hatzor. These were nomadic tribes. Okay, Kedar and Hatzor. Um, And we're told that these tribes who were living in the Arabian desert, Nebuchadnezzar was going to defeat them. We're also told that elam uh kingdom southeast of babylon uh would be destroyed and the people exiled but they too would be restored in later days so this is just a lot of kind of back matter like right. who is nebuchadnezzar going, if, if god is calling nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment who is he bringing judgment against right this is the list this is what's going on here <laughs>
1: right
0: jeremiah chapter 50 this is a prophecy directly about babylon and babylon's ultimate judgment so, essentially, an alliance of people was prophesied to destroy Babylon. And after that happens, Israel and Judah would be allowed to reunite and travel back to Jerusalem to rebuild. Um it- I'll read you verse six and seven here, which is God's description of Israel and Judah. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. They wandered over mountain and hill and forget their own resting place. So essentially this was why people were able to oppress and destroy them. They had forgotten that their resting place was God. Mm. Um, Babylon, we're told in Jeremiah chapter 50, reveled in destroying God's people. They loved it. They wanted to do it. And they'll be destroyed for that evil. Mm. So their celebration of sin, their celebration of destruction, their celebration of death. Mm. They will be judged for that. Mm. Jeremiah chapter 51 continues the prophecy against Babylon. Um, and interestingly, the, the nation of the Medes are mentioned. So um, it it historically was an alliance between the Medes and the Persians, creating the, the, the Median Persian Empire that eventually destroyed the Neo-Babylonian Empire. They took it over. The destruction of Babylon is assured in Jeremiah chapter 51. And we learn at the end of the chapter that Jeremiah had sent a scroll with this big, long prophecy against Babylon to Babylon. Mm. It's a very Jeremiah thing to do. Yes. Right? Go right to the source. <laughs> right to the... Um, so he sends this scroll with this prophecy against Babylon to Babylon with an official of King Zedekiah. Um And we're even given the officials name, Sariah, son of Neriah. Now, interestingly, Baruch's father's name is also Neriah. So maybe this is Baruch's brother. We don't know. It's possible. But Sariah was to go to Babylon, read the scroll out loud... I would imagine would be a dangerous thing to do. Yeah. Then tie a rock to the scroll and throw it in the Euphrates River and say, so will Babylon sink to rise no more because of the disaster I will bring on her and her people will fall. Yeah. And the chapter 51 ends with the words of Jeremiah end here. Right. But there's still one more chapter of <laughs> Jeremiah. Yeah. So ch- Jeremiah chapter 52, this is a postscript really, to the book of Jeremiah. So kind of wrapping it all up.
1: You mean like Baruch? You're yeah, it so up, there's yeah.
0: this record of the fall of Jerusalem, uh, a record of the destruction of the city and the destruction of the temple and the destruction of the walls. There's a record of the looting of God's temple. Uh, there's a record of the exiles um, and a record of Jehoiachin, interestingly. Remember Jehoiachin um, who... He only reigned for three months and he was taken captive to Babylon. He actually later on in Babylon was released from prison by Nebuchadnezzar's son, Evil Marduk or Alwal Marduk, depending on your translation. Um, and, and he was allowed to eat from the king's table. So he was given a certain amounts of food uh, to live. And this has actually been confirmed. Uh, there is a Babylonian Babylonian ration tablet that I believe is housed in the British Museum right now, that names Jehoiachin by name and how he was released from pri- how he not how he was released from prison, but how he what his rations were. So how much food he got. Right. From that's neat. Yeah, it's, it's just a weird, random thing to be confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> by a, you know, yeah. like what are the chances? And in, in the in the hordes of tablets that someone would not only find it but translate that one because there are a lot of tablets that have not been translated yet so this is very cool very cool stuff it's very cool so that's jeremiah
1: i know not much to say there but for me anyways jeremiah (laughs) had a lot to say but no this this was good just to get a broad historical breakdown of just jeremiah because there's so much that happens in this book
0: oh my word there's so much that happens in jeremiah yeah both on, like, a national and yeah. international level, but then at a personal level for yeah. Jeremiah and Baruch. There's a lot that goes
1: on. I know that, like, even when—if you're reading—it depends. A lot of people tell you read with, like, a theological lens where they're looking for, like, let's say, God's omniscience, God's—all these different things. I remember when I was reading, um, what is it, I, uh, Jeremiah 32, mm-hmm. and it said— uh, he was talking about uh, some of these terrible things that they're doing, and he said, "Nor and God goes, nor did it enter my mind." Mm-hmm. I remember we had questions in the past of people being like, "Well, how did it not enter his mind? Is he all knowing?" And it's like, "Well, I think it just means it wasn't his intentions. These are not yes. his intentions. It's really yes, tricky. but it's what's interesting is what's good about the historical breakdown is that like that's kind of the central purpose for these prophecies. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to be like." A pinpoint theological dissertation on exactly. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, they're used, not
0: explaining everything about who God is. About
1: exactly, that's right. Yeah. It's like you you know that God is all knowing, right? So he's like, when he says that, so you have to get, you have to have some sort of benefit of the doubt there.
0: Well, and and we have to remember that prophecies used poetic language on purpose. Yeah, on purpose that's to communicate right. really um, interesting and oftentimes harsh truths.
1: Mm-hmm. We live in a very like high context culture. Which means that you have to say a lot more to say the exact to say mm-hmm. a very simple thing, which mm-hmm. most people would just intuit just by hearing. Oh, you mean it's, you means just in, intention. Yeah. But if we don't say that exact words, then we're like, well, what do you actually? It could say? mean this. It could or mean that. This. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So it's a very very different time. Not that that's inherently a bad thing to have in this culture, but it just means we think very differently. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> that you need to have some sort of like, you know, when you're reading it, just oh, what is he actually saying? Be as sincere as possible. With the text as opposed to just rigidly supposing that it doesn't know what it's talking about. Right. Which is so often the gripe. But uh, no, overall, I, I love the historical analysis this time. You did a great job, Corey.
0: Thanks, thanks, Mela. <laughs>
1: no. Okay, guys,
0: if you have any comments or questions about the Book of Jeremiah or specifically what we read this week, please pop it down in the comments below. Because Matt and I love reading your comments and questions, and we will get back to you eventually as we have time. Um, if there's, uh, you know, if there's anything that really troubles you about the Book of Jeremiah, I know this, you know, interestingly, this is a, there. There are some really um interesting sticking points uh, for people that I've come across uh, uh, reading through this for the past several years. So if you have any questions or comments, please pop them down below. And I hope you have a really good week. See you later. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high-quality biblical content, but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.